like with Instagram and Facebook, un- unless you're just like super stubborn and love that uphill climb, like you gonna have to pay to play at some point. If you're trying to yeah. go quickly, if you're yeah. good with slow growth, by all means, play on player. But if those aren't the platforms for rapid growth, like it happens sometimes still, but that's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. I love that. What is up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Video Simplified Podcast with your hostess, the mostess, Diana Gilotni. And this week, we're chatting with my good friend, Alex Miner, talking about LinkedIn. Later in the episode, we'll dive into, because, you know, it's it's hard when you get two video content creators together. Of course, we talk about cameras and the like when we start talking about things, because Alex is a not just a filmmaker and a videographer, but he uses Micro Four Thirds more specifically Panasonic cameras, which as you all know, like I used to use Panasonic cameras back in the day. However, I've since uh, found a home with Sony APS-C cameras um, specifically, or just Sony cameras in general. So we do get off on on a tangent there towards the end, just talking about cameras. And I hope you all enjoy that segment if you're nerdy and enjoy the camera tech. However, I want to talk about LinkedIn and specifically content creation when it comes to creating on LinkedIn, because most of us are not leveraging the platform. And if we are, there's only outdated, irrelevant information that's kind of out there. And I think we tend to overthink things when it comes to content creation and the like. And so I wanted to spend some time just talking through what are some of the norms and social behaviors to watch for and things to watch against when it comes for or do it, stop doing essentially when it comes to LinkedIn. So if you've been thinking about getting started on LinkedIn or either re-engaging when it comes to creating content on LinkedIn, I think you'll get a lot of value out of this week's episode. Now that's enough of an intro for me. Let's get into this week's episode. Thank you, Alex, for being here. We've got my Not friend and LinkedIn expert, videographer extraordinaire, um, and not a lot of people know, you know, you got a little music background. I want to say a little, little music, but you got a music background and you have, uh, you know, some rapping skills in a way. I definitely more than what I have. So it's definitely <laughs> it's quite significant if I do say, but thanks so much for being here. We're glad to have you on the video simplified podcast. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing well. I'm super glad to be here. You know, we always have a good time when we talk. So 100%. I've been looking forward to this for a minute. Man, well, well, let's go ahead and not waste any time and dive right in. Um, We've been kind of tiptoeing around the idea of LinkedIn. And I know I think a lot of people have and I I know a lot of people heard a lot um, about LinkedIn. But what I found was was interesting is that by the time I finally took like took that advice to heart and finally looked over at LinkedIn, it's a very different platform than what most of us um, elder millennials even were used to seeing with LinkedIn, it was like, more or less, it felt like back in the forum days, if you were kind of like looking for a job or posting a job, or uh, I can't remember the other one that was like a legit job place or whatever, but that's kind of what LinkedIn felt like. And LinkedIn is a legit social platform. So before we get uh, any further, like you are a filmmaker, you do videography work um, and you're posting quite a lot and posting good, relevant, significant content on LinkedIn. Why is that? Well, okay. 
<laughs> I'm gonna try not to go down a rabbit hole here. Oh, we do rabbit um, holes around here, so it just we I'm but, here for it. But basically, um, I started doing a lot of content on LinkedIn because I saw the value in it. Mm-hmm. And when I say I saw the value in it, it was a good place to start really establishing a personal brand, uh, establishing some authority in my space. And it's a place where you can grow quickly if you do the right things and if you're consistent with it. Um, I would say right now, out of all the social media platforms, and yes, LinkedIn is now a social media platform. Thank you, Microsoft. TikTok and LinkedIn is in it is is it for organic growth. Mm. Um, if you want, if if you're stuck on an organic strategy and that's the only way that you want to grow, you don't ever want to have to deal with paid ads or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, LinkedIn is one of the two platforms that you should be considering, especially if you're a B2B sort of business or a consultant um, or a coach of some kind, a subject matter expert where, you know, you're you're looking to do one on one consulting or group coaching or, you know, start building your personal brand to flip into paid opportunities for speaking engagements or Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, coaching teams or businesses, things like that, then there's, there's no reason that you shouldn't be on LinkedIn. Mm. Now, what makes the difference from LinkedIn and organic growth? Like, I think it's very clear for most people with something like Facebook, but for those, especially like following this podcast, I predominantly only talk about um, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Like those are like the core threes for most people. And then it's like, if it, if it makes sense for a client or if it makes sense for them to go or do something elsewhere, depending on where the target market is, then we start discussing that. But when it comes to LinkedIn, again, like I said, I know for a fact, like I didn't look at it like that. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners here aren't, aren't looking at LinkedIn in that uh, scope. So what makes the difference in organic, organic growth with LinkedIn versus something like a YouTube or an Instagram and even Instagram has changed a lot, but I still want to throw that question out there. It's a numbers game. It's math. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're looking at the, like why, why do platforms decline? And when I say decline, I'm talking about the reach Mm -hmm. Um, and it's because they mature. So Facebook or, or it's still possible, but organic reach is pretty much dead. Um, Instagram, once again, still possible, but you got to work really hard if you don't want to pay to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because those platforms have simply been around. They've had the heyday already where folks weren't doing anything business-wise mm-hmm. or not a lot of folks were doing stuff business-wise as far as like running ads or marketing their businesses or things like that. But now it's like everybody's wised up. They're like, Oh crap, I need to be on Instagram. Oh crap, I need to be on Facebook. Oh crap, I need to be on Twitter. Um, and we're in a place right now where LinkedIn, TikTok are still in those early stages where a lot of people are non-believers. Mm-hmm. You know, you still got a lot of people. Um, I'm sure you you say you talk about TikTok, so I'm sure you know that like oh, half yeah. the users on TikTok now are over 30. And most people think it's still for dancing and little kids. And there is that. There's still a lot of that. And you're going you're gonna to catch some 30 plus year olds doing a bunch of dancing and stuff, too, which you might wish you hadn't seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too much movement. <laughs> <laughs> 
but some of that flab don't quite slap back the way it's supposed to. Don't you know? You know, they ain't quite making the connection. You got to be careful out here in these streets. Right. Well, I, I mean, I've seen grandmas getting down. That was like, Give listen. Me. <laughs> but but uh, there's a lot of business going on on TikTok. Like I I know a dude on LinkedIn who um his entire business has shifted to TikTok marketing. He's a he's an ad guy. He runs ads for businesses, ecom mm-hmm. businesses. And now his whole business model has shifted to only running ads for TikTok because of the opportunity there. Um, Before he was doing Instagram, he was doing Facebook, but now he's like, nah, the money's over here. The ads are super cheap. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing, Um, uh, you know, with the organic growth on TikTok and yeah. the organic growth on, on LinkedIn. It's just like there's a lot of people who are still non-believers. So when there's that space of non-belief, that's when the opportunity is there for, you know, the people who have wised up and can recognize the opportunity to sneak in. You're not even really sneaking in because the door's wide open. Just nobody coming in the club. Mm. Um, so you can get in, get a good seat and learn the rules of the land and start doing the things that you need to do to build your brand and build your business before it gets to the point where paying to play is necessary. Like if you want to. If you want a TikTok strategy, if you want a LinkedIn strategy, you don't need to pay money unless you're paying, you know, for somebody to help you develop your strategy and implement it. Um, but you don't have to run ads to be successful on those platforms. Like with Instagram and Facebook, un- unless you're just like super stubborn and love that uphill climb, like you gonna have to pay to play at some point. If you're trying to yeah. go quickly, if you're yeah. good with slow growth, by all means, play on player. But if those aren't the platforms, for rapid growth. Like it happens sometimes still, but that's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's so key because that's a, a huge thing. In, and um, I remember I sat down and counted between Facebook and Instagram specifically. How many scrolls are you getting through? Like just from the normal flick of the finger going from the bottom to the top of the screen. How many times are you going to scroll before you run into a It's every third to every fifth post most of the time it's sitting at that third or fourth post. That's an ad. Literally every other ad is a, um, every other post, excuse me, is a, is an ad for the most part. So it's full of ads and Instagram, I think does a better job with it of targeting. And so it is a major deal, um, over there. But when it comes to like best practices and rules, cause I remember I was spending a lot of time, uh, well, we were spending like a ton of time. We spent a lot of time though, posting on uh, LinkedIn just to understand and start experimenting with the platform, seeing what it's like, what are the tools over here? You know, what's the vibe over here? So for those that haven't even started posting over there, what is the lay of the land for, um, especially like present day? Cause I think there's a lot of outdated information around um, LinkedIn up. and content, but what's, what's the current lay of the land over there on uh, LinkedIn present day? It's, it's a very, socially active platform. And what I mean is that it's it's pretty much imagine a networking conference or a conference that you've gone to for the purpose of networking. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much what LinkedIn is 24-7, 365. So if there's a type of person that you're looking to get to know or that you're trying to reach, like this is the place where people will be receptive to it, but you got to go about it the wrong, the, the right way. Um, a lot of people come onto the platform and they make a couple of mistakes. The, the, and, and these are 
just because they've learned bad behavior from other platforms, right? Mm -hmm. They come onto LinkedIn and the number one thing that they do is they instantly get in the DMs and try to sell somebody. We call that being pitch slapped. I hate that. Um, Right. And and that's why a lot of people be like, oh, I don't like LinkedIn because, because they have that experience mm-hmm. of people showing up in their DMs every day. And the first thing that they do is like, hey, I do this service and such as like, no, everybody hates you instantly. <laughs> like we, we don't like you now. For a fact. You up and do that, like I'm hitting delete or I'm hitting block like you're done already. Yep. Um, the second mistake that people make is that they come onto the platform and all they do is output, meaning they hear about the organic reach, they want to take advantage of it, but then all they do is they come on and they post. And that's mm-hmm. it. Definitely like made that mistake early on. That was me. <laughs> that was right. definitely most me. Cause people, I'm like, most I'm like, people don't know. Yep. Like the algorithm on LinkedIn is a bit different from other platforms. And some people will say, oh, it sounds the same. Nah, it's really not. Like when you really get into the behavior of it. So there's a couple of things that are different from other platforms. Um, if you don't spend any time interacting with other people's content, mm-hmm. don't expect your content to get seen at all. Mm. The whole philosophy at LinkedIn that and we've heard this from people actually at the platform is they want to encourage conversation. They want people to be commenting on posts, interacting in the DMS. Like that's mm-hmm. what they're, what's, that's what they want. That's their goal right now. Um, and if you don't do those things, you're just not going to be as visible. Uh, and, and another mistake that people make when you're coming on there is that they just start connecting with everybody. Mm. Like just anybody, they just start connecting, like send a re- connection request. And, and that's fine, but it's not effective. Mm. You really need to have a strategy to who you are connecting with, especially if you're a business owner. Um, it's a little bit different if you're on there, if you are on there for the job search function and that sort of thing, or if you're recruiting, like your, your whole mentality on how to use LinkedIn is going to be a little bit different. But I'm talking to the entrepreneurs right now. I'm talking to the people who are independent trying to get that bag. So if Mm -hmm. you're coming on to LinkedIn, um, you want to be intentional. And and maybe you have an account that's old because you used to have some job that you hated and you just connected with people. (laughs) Like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, like, go through your, your connections and start eliminating them, deleting them. Like if the people you are connected to don't serve a purpose for your current goals, like just delete them. Mm. Like they're going to get mad. So what? Who cares? Like you're here for business. Like I don't care. Like cut. And, And the thing is, the more that you do that, the better your experience will be on on LinkedIn or any social media platform because because people tend to forget that social media is a choice mm-hmm. like you actively you actively choose most of what you see right. um, with the exception of ads which that's why that's the unlock that's why the, that's the cheat code um but when it comes to what's in your feed you chose that you may not have chosen what the person uploaded but you chose to see that person's content um for the most part there are some exceptions there and 
the more that you make sure that you're not connected to people who aren't relevant to what you are there for, the better mm-hmm. your experience is going to be. You're going to see people who interest you with content that interests you or that is relevant to your goals. Um, and when you start posting content, you're going to have more people who your content is relevant to seeing your content. Uh, and, and that's the part that people don't get. It's it's a very reciprocal platform. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you give, you give good energy, you give good conversation, you're connected with people for the right reasons and just being a part of the community, then when you start putting out your content, you're going to get that love back. Mm. But if you just come in and it's just one way, you're just shouting into the abyss, nothing's going to happen. It's like good luck, Chuck. And I know a lot of people got burned from that early on, especially like the early days uh, of content creation, not even early days. But if you go back even circa 2017, 2018, even a lot of people were it's just like, again, megaphone, megaphone, megaphone to just blast out whatever. And basically the whole thing of throw something up, up against the wall and hope that it sticks and there is no transitional process or there was no real way to know how this is turning into money. And it felt like for a long time, a lot of people were just kind of doing their own thing, trying to figure it out. And so now I think a lot of people still kind of feel that way uh, about LinkedIn, because again, like all you have is bad memories. It's a bad relationship. (laughs) You know, it's like, it was a social experience and it's like, okay, yeah, you had the recruiters or the whomever's from when your profile was around just having a positive something out there that wasn't a bunch of pictures like an Instagram or Facebook that had your life experience and stuff on there. And now you're deciding to go ahead and just like turn, turn things around and turn that profile into content creation, but also for your business or whatever it is you're making content around. It's mostly who we speak to it's entrepreneurs and uh, that are getting into content creation and producing video content around that. So for those that had that bad experience, you got that bad relationship vibes from there. They're like, okay, great. I can be talking to people. I can follow people. I can do all the things that you just said, but how is this going to make money for me at all? Or how's this going to start honestly transitioning into money? And I know from a mutual connection that we have, um, not like LinkedIn specifically, but like even just content creation following, um, this gentleman that does, um, videography work he does he's doing wedding filmmaking and stuff and he started it was really through him I started hearing and listening when he started to talk about LinkedIn about his wedding film business and how he was posting there and reaching real estate people and and the like and I was like that's very interesting I was watching his vlogs I've seen you in his community and stuff like that but I'm curious again present day because I know you also work with clients that want to produce content and have intent to produce content on LinkedIn What's that avenue or lane for those video makers producing their business to make it make sense financially for the time that they are going to spend there socially? Well, you got to have patience, right? Because nothing happens overnight. Right. You might get lucky and a piece of content brings you some leads or brings you a sale um, when you're first starting. And kudos to you if that happens. But it's it's a process like you've got to you got to take the time to really build brand there. That's that's what I tell people is for. Like you can get sales, mm-hmm. but it's really about building brand because it, you got to get people to trust you. 
And that's mm. why, you know, putting out relevant content that is valuable to the audience that you're looking to cultivate is is essential. And also spending time, you know, connecting and speaking with the people of that audience. Um, you, you mentioned realtors. So if if you're trying to connect with realtors, you know, get on there, search for realtors in your area, send out them connection requests and start responding to their content. If they're posting content, make sure that you're showing up in the comments saying, oh, you know, giving whatever your opinion is, like adding to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like The goal when you're commenting on other people's content is not just to show up and be like, hey, nice piece of content. It's to generate more conversation because that makes you memorable. Mm -hmm. Because if you just say, you know, if you just click the like button, nobody remembers who clicks the like button. Yep. Maybe if you're liking every single piece of content they have, but some people also might look at you as kind of a stalker if you're doing that. It does give um, the weirdo 3000 vibes. You know, yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's like, it, like those bad, bad habits of like, yeah, do you send a connection request and do you DM immediately flag? Do you just like everything or you literally just follow 10 seconds ago and 30 posts later and I know you didn't have enough time to read, consume or go through none of it. It's just a bunch of likes flag you know like that's how that comes up in my mind on linkedin right and i mean it may be just the thing of you're trying to get somebody's attention but once again i say take the slow burn approach Mm. um one and, and so usually what i do suggest is and this is what some other um and i don't consider myself a linkedin coach i I'm thinking about getting into it officially, like somewhere down the line, mm-hmm. just because I am so passionate about the platform. Um, and, and I have gotten some business through the platform. I don't get a ton of business through the platform, mm-hmm. um, but it's because I'm not really trying that hard to. I, I like being there, like the people I interact with. I've made some really good friends on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other video guys who get way more customers than I do through LinkedIn, but it's because that's their whole goal is to get customers through LinkedIn. Um, and me, I'm hanging out. <laughs> mm. I mean, I think it's still something to be said for that because so much, again, a lot of people's, if you've been on social media for any length of time, especially if you're listening to mainstream media about it, it seems it social media as a whole has like this toxic approach to it. And so a lot of people's relationship with a lot of platforms has been toxic. I remember Facebook even went through its season when everybody was in a not even a midlife crisis, beginning of adulthood crisis, and everybody was going back and forth at each other or the post, especially when you could tag the person that you didn't like in it. And it started become um, frustrating. So you would see stuff again in the feed before we had all the privacy or um, social engagement controls. It it was a cesspool. And then again, Instagram it kind of has gone through that journey It's coming back around to trying to be more content driven specifically, like not that ads aren't ever going to be important, but it's more content driven um, things trying to, again, save face on a lot of the mistakes that were made. And it feels like LinkedIn still kind of has some level of purity about it in the form of it does not that it's not negative post or thought-provoking post or whatever, something that may not rub you the wrong way, but it still seems like it has a lot of that same purity aspect in it's just chill vibes over there. That's the one thing that I've, I've learned in my time uh, being on LinkedIn is that everybody's ch- chilling, hanging out, having a good time. And yeah, if something does make good businesses, it seems to be easy to transition 
posts and conversations in posts to the DMs simply because that person stays top of mind and they're clear about, or you're the person that's viewing them, you're clear about how this person um, can honestly be relevant to what you're trying to do or whatever the case is. Uh, has that been your experience? Or I mean, like, am I wrong in that? That's just my experience though with it. Well, there there are all types on LinkedIn. So there's the, the good apples and the bad apples. Sure. Like, honestly, like some of the stuff that I've seen people post on LinkedIn, it's just like, do you really want to get fired? <laughs> um, like, it, it, and, and like, look, like it happens. And because mm. like some of the folks I follow, um, some are very outspoken about, you know, certain political and social issues. Mm. And so they because they're taking that very firm stance on topics that rile people up, mm-hmm. they get those people coming out of the woodwork onto their content. Um, but you setting yourself up if you do that, because the people I know will turn you into content mm-hmm. and been plenty of folks who, because they showed up in the wrong way, like, end up with lost jobs and being mad. And, but it's like, yo, you chose to show your, behind on the, the business platform like but what see, did i've you seen to happen i've <laughs> seen people make it seem they think what they think is um like a calculated move in the sense of i'm gonna post something not just controversial but and not that you're just taking a stance on one way or the other um but it literally like they're doing it on purpose to get that initial uh, attention, get a bunch of shares and the like. Granted, it's not positive and there's always going to be some level, no matter what the, the topic is, some level of people that agree with it. But they'll do that initially just to get the uh, attention. Like I've, I've seen some people make oh, those there moves. Are definitely, there are definitely attention whores on on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> there are there are people who their content is just like vapid mm-hmm. and very surface level um but it's the type of stuff that gets you know views and clicks and all that stuff so you got those type of people um you get people like you said who who try to be controversial just for the sake of being controversial but right. that's why it's so important to cultivate your feed like i was saying so if you see somebody who is saying stuff that you don't agree with unfollow them block mm-hmm. them if you see somebody who is acting a fool, unfollow them, block them. If you see somebody who says some stuff where you're just like, I don't want to exist in the same world as you, like <laughs> unfollow them, block them. Like make that choice to to make your feed a pleasant a place Experience, to be. Yeah. So that you want to be interacting with the folks who show up when you get on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you want that? And I and I think so many of us have just come or, or just been in this space or, you know, been fed this story, especially by the media and stuff that social media happens to us, mm. you know, it's like, it's, it's your choice. Like Thanks. control your experience, remember your power. Um, and that goes for any platform, but, but especially on LinkedIn where it's so easy. Like the second you just see something you don't like, just block it. Mm. Like, you don't have, you don't have to see it. So let's take a quick pause from this week's episode to dive into this week's Gear Fix. This week's Gear Fix is brought to you by none other than the book, How to Write Copy That Sales. I am not going to stop talking about this book. 
until you understand the significance of it for you. This isn't about sales. This isn't about anything like that other than I want you to really maximize the what you're doing. And this book is going to help you to do it. I don't care if you're in real estate. I don't care if you're a nonprofit. I don't care who you are and who you're helping with what specifically. Because you heard me teach that before too. <laughs> but when you understand the who you are helping with what specifically, you need to understand how to start crafting your message. The person, the problem, the pain point is just the beginning. When you really start to dive into this and understand not beyond the pastor framework, Ray teaches you all kinds of things in this book. And it's crazy thin. This is not some super long uh, book. And you can see if you're watching this on YouTube, I bought this book back in April 26 of 2018. I've literally had this book that long and I do have my signed copy in pristine condition still on the shelf and then another one that I just abuse and use regularly. <laughs> so if you don't already have the book, how to write copy that sells, you need to get it. And if you have not read it, you need to read it. How to write copy that sells, how to write copy that sells by Ray Edwards will change your business. I personally guarantee it if you do the work, which means you'll guarantee it for yourself. That's this week's gear fix. You can go to Diana.link forward slash gear fix to get access to that. And if you are watching or listening to this after the fact, I'll make sure that you get access to that later um, for sure. But that is going to do it for this week's gear fix. And let's jump back into the episode. Now it's some it's a interesting thing that I've concept that I've seen with with LinkedIn. Um, and it just seems to be, again, one of the natural social behaviors of the platform. Written posts still do very well there. You have mm -hmm. like, you, yeah, you can do video. LinkedIn Live got a lot of attention. I'd say maybe circa 2018 on forward. Um, you know, it's gotten a lot of attention, especially as it lifted the lid a bit in who can live stream. It used to be an application process and all this other stuff. And so now it's like it seems more open to whatever kind of content, but of the three of written, you know, a video post or like live stream, for example, written posts still do well. And I see you do quite um, a bit of those. Uh, also, when it comes to posting certain kinds of content, what makes you post a written post instead of like a, you literally could do that in video. So what makes the difference in like, I'm gonna do this one written instead. Obviously it can be quicker and there's no editing, but <laughs> like what makes you make that decision other than that? Um, sometimes it's it's because of the audience. Mm. So so there's a few there's there's a lot of misconceptions about what kind of content works and what doesn't work in the reach and those sorts of things on LinkedIn. And I've made posts talking about those specific things. Mm -hmm. So written content, everybody says does the best, but it does the best because that's what most people do. Like mm. people think that's the easy thing to do. They don't. You know, they don't want to make the extra effort to to create graphics or they don't want to make the extra effort to create videos. They And so everybody's like, well, written posts work the best. It's like, yeah, because that's what most of y'all do. Um, and, and, you know, going back to our numbers conversation from earlier, here's some interesting facts. Like it, it's like over 700 million people on LinkedIn. Right. Mm -hmm. um, somewhere north of 750. I don't know if they've cracked 800 million yet. Uh, you know, it grew a lot during the pandemic, which is still going on. Mm. Um, but north of 750 million people on LinkedIn, it's like 
less than 2% of that population makes one post a week. Mm. All right. Think about that. That's why the organic reach is so crazy. Less than 2% of that 750 million people is making one post a week, one written post. So then you flip into something like doing videos, which most people won't, don't want to do because they think it's too much work. Mm-hmm. You are instantly in an elite club on LinkedIn. You already were because you're one of the few that's making content. But now mm-hmm. you start making videos, you stand out even more because most people just won't take the time and effort to do it. So even if it's just simple cell phone video, selfie style, like you can make an impact with that. Um, it don't have to be super produced. That's one thing like people on LinkedIn don't care about quality. <laughs> so like, I do seeing some stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's a thing of if you have a certain image you're trying to project, if you have a certain brand identity that you're trying to protect, then that's where the focus comes on quality. And, it, and it's really because you care about it. You want to mm-hmm. show up a certain way. So like the way that if you're watching the video of this, if you see the way that I appear on screen like this, I consider this part of my brand. This is the way I show up on Zoom calls. This is the way mm-hmm. I show up on interviews. This is the way I show up anytime I'm online, I try to show up like this. I hate doing stuff with a cell phone. Like, I'll do it if I have to, but it kills part of my soul because I like my fancy lenses and my cameras and my lights, as you can plainly see by all the stuff in the background. Um, So that's the way I like to show up because I'm a video guy. And if the video guy doesn't show up on good looking video, it's kind of like. Can you really help me to do it if it, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. I don't, I refuse to do, I was thinking about that today because I was thinking about doing a post around um, smartphone content because you still have to learn video skills. You're, I feel like when you choose to do a smartphone, it's the easiest as far as it being accessible, but I don't necessarily feel like it's the easiest because you're trying to make it, it as good as smartphone cameras has gotten, you're trying to make it do something. It's not however that aside, and again, my personal preference, your personal preference, and again, that's our brand aesthetic. However, I've still seen smartphone videos, just basic, whatever, here with the fingerprint over the thing, hopefully not, but I've seen that too. <laughs> you yeah, know, fingerprint really, really well. It still yeah. does, it still performs. So I, I love that you brought that up because I like that aspect that most people don't have to. It's like vi- doing video, like you have the written post, you have video posts, and then you have the live stream con- aspect of the content. It doesn't have to be a professional, I'm showing up in a suit instead of when I go to my channel on YouTube, I'm wearing my branded shirts or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's, 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 you can still be you. And that's one oh, thing yeah. I have found with the aspect of you. You see people doing and representing themselves as they see fit. And I loved seeing um, you do Vlogmas over there when we did it in 2021, Christmas. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because again, for the metrics that you mentioned, when you look at the elite, there's a little bit of people doing any form of a vlogging aspect or sharing vlogging content on there. It was another guy that, um, was doing vlogging content on uh, LinkedIn. He's since changed and shifted gears. 
But that's a very different approach and aspect to sharing things. And I honestly, personally, I vibe with that more than like a produced piece of here's five ways that you can. Now, granted, I do that. I do that a lot, especially like on TikTok. It just performs better. And so because it's straight, it's concise, it's to the point. Whereas if I have to say it when when I do on occasion choose to do it on my phone, it's like it's a different frame of mind versus when I'm doing it on my phone versus when I'm with my camera. However, I vibe with people better when they just it's a laid back piece and it's like a vlogging style content, no matter the camera source. But I thought that was dope. And you said that it failed. Why did you feel like it that failed? Well, it, it, it just failed from the, the viewpoint of I wanted to get through the whole thing. And I've done it twice now and I have not managed to get through the whole thing because life keeps getting in the way. Yeah. So I but so, I think I mean, it's an exercise. It's that's what yeah. it is for me. It's an exercise because um, right. especially usually by the end of the year, I'm kind of burnt out on making videos and I and I'll have slowed down or stopped completely at some point. Mm-hmm. And doing Vlogmas is a fun way for me to try to re to get my energy back for doing mm-hmm. videos. Um, like I've, I've never made it all the way through a Vlogmas. I think the most I've been able to do is like 14 days or something. Um, and that's a lot because for me, like I over like I overcomplicate my own videos like videos can be videos only as complicated as you make it. And mm-hmm. I tend to make it complicated, mm-hmm. which is a personal thing. Um, and, and so some of that is to try to force me to simplify to get the content out because uh, it don't always have to be, you know, super buttoned up and. And yeah. sometimes it's, it's just like, yo, slap something together and get it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I'm trying to get more of that energy just so that I can be more consistent. Because like right now, I'm not even really I, I'm I'm barely posting on LinkedIn right now. Mm-hmm. And it's because um, business just grew to the point last year where I was struggling to make content and keep up with the demands of the business, like, you know, get the client stuff out on time. And so at one point I just threw up my hands and I was like, I can't do both right now and, and focus on growing the business. And so that's what we've been doing. Thanks. I know. And I've seen you go through that progression. Um, And I think it's interesting because a lot of the clients that you working, you're working for at the time, even like when you're doing your stories and stuff, it's you're doing something that they're going to post to uh, their YouTube channel, going to post different social media bits to LinkedIn specifically. Um, so it's just interesting to see that dynamic. And one aspect technically is that you use micro four thirds cameras exclusively. <laughs> oh, go there. I'm going there because they come they, that that same attention. And well, not in like in a negative way or whatever. And we always joke about that. But it, I think. Even with that, people are like, well, then I need to upgrade the full full frame. And again, that's another tidbit I'll say for another time. But I feel like people get too focused in the gear aspect of it. Now, granted, I love equipment. I love technology because I love what it makes possible. I love what new ideas that it brings. And it's just like Christmas every time something comes out. So I love it. But I honestly don't care what people create with as long as they create content. But you make exceptional video quality and you use micro four thirds cameras. And so it's just because I, I know the camera so well. Like I know the limitations. Um I my my gear choices for what I add on to the camera body um are steered 
pretty much by the weaknesses of the camera body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost all my lenses are very fast. I don't have, you know, for you camera nerds who are listening, um, I don't own, I think, I'm not sure if any of my lenses are like, are slower than a F2. Mm -hmm. Um, I know none of the the primes are slower than an F2. Um, And a lot of the ones that I'm currently using, uh, regularly using on client projects right now are like either f95 or f1.4 um like the lens i'm using right now is a t1.0 cinema lens um hairline so, focus like i mean the yeah. depth of field just razor thin yeah but you see what it's doing to the background though it is right <laughs> so, <laughs> it so is for that you couldn't, you couldn't get that on micro four thirds and it's just like yeah. no you can you just have to account for the weaknesses of the camera yeah um and 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 plus it's like right now the cameras are so darn cheap man yeah like i can get a used gh and and like i use gh5s for my client work for the majority of my client work every now and then i'll rent an a7s3 just because it'll make life easier for a certain situation Mm -hmm. um but a lot of the content that i do is like sit down talking head or you know long form stuff or even when it is moving stuff like me and my team we just we know these cameras like we're yeah. we've adapted you know like I, I even have a dude on a gimbal with a micro four thirds camera with no autofocus and like we make it work mm-hmm. like just because we know how um where everybody else is like oh, i need autofocus ah. and and like i'll be honest um i've considered upgrading but the cost for me to upgrade my entire system is enormous yeah for me to get an equivalent setup with a full frame with full frame cameras and lenses i probably have to sink 15 grand into it all at once yes. i was just and gonna say most people that- this year, but we ain't doing that good <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I know a lot of people that say, man, I'm going to have to, it was like, you have the kit lens, you have a 50 F 1.8. You're fine. Like it's, it's fine. Like you, you got one camera body, a kit and a 50 F 1.8. You're fine. So it's like, I, I, I want to make that distinction. You're talking about a suite of cameras and a suite of lenses that you have that you use. And it's like on a daily thing, I see no less than, uh, with some of your shoots, no less than two two cameras at any given time, let alone again for when you need to do something else. Um, you may have another one that's just flying around on the gimbal or handheld or whatever the case is. Um, yes. So I just wanted to, Always like I said, cameras, sometimes three um, in very rare cases four, um, but usually the fourth one is just like a BTS camera. Mm. Got you. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there because I know some people, again, they get into their head and again, I love, um, I was chatting with on video on another uh, podcast episode. He was saying how most people create self-imposed limitations. These are nothing that exists with the equipment that you're using. It's no limitation of the actual, like it's not like LinkedIn or YouTube or anybody who's going to say it needs to be at this rate or, or less. And just so happens your camera can't do that. Like every modern day camera can do it. So it's like self-imposed limitations of what they think they have to do or whatever. So I just kind of want to talk like uh, the scope of the content that you've made from like, again, the professional sit down stuff for clients or if it's on a smartphone or whatever. And then again, like I said, toss out there that you use micro four thirds. So people don't feel like it has to be one thing or the other. Of course, I use predominantly Sony. I'm not going anywhere. It's just like APS-C is like I found a home with APS-C. That's just what I personally love to use. 
but for whatever reason, people feel like it's got to be full frame or bust. That's marketing, like, man. That's, yeah, that's, that's all like, it is. It's marketing. Marketing and propaganda. That's the only reason people are stuck on full frame. Mm-hmm. It's marketing and propaganda. And because all the YouTubers are like, oh, well, I just really like the full frame look. And, and it's like, I've used full frame. Like, it's like... What you like for it to be harder to focus? <laughs> that's, that's why you need autofocus to be able to, you know, z- to to nail a fly flying through the scene. We do that's, need autofocus. Okay, auto-focus. now this is where the conversation steers. I'm sorry, we interrupt this broadcast to let you know we do need <laughs> autofocus. Okay, yes, we want to we want to focus on the wing of a fly as it's flying off. I don't know, a deer's ear or something, but no, it's like, it just, I just feel like this, like, like you said, the sensor conversation is use whatever you're going to use, be proficient with it. For me, again, like I personally love APS-C sensor sizes. I'm begrudgingly going to move to full frame on a day. If that never comes through the Sony lineup, or maybe it's just, I have to wait for a long time. And it's like, begrudgingly, I'll go get a full frame camera because it's nothing else there. But most movies, like go look at the Ari cameras, Super 35 sensors, or even like the GH5, kudos to Panasonic, because the GH5 was uh, one of the first mirrorless cameras that you saw that had that broadcast quality, approved broadcast quality. So GH5 gets no no guff other than Panasonic, just they need to get their autofocus together. Because yes. And like, I won't it, even lie about that. Like when the GA6 came out and it was still mm, um, definitely focused. Talk that, about that, that brother. Hurt, tell that us. hurt my heart. Tell I, us. I, I, that, that hurt my feelings because I felt like they had taken long enough to bring that camera out that mm-hmm. they was finally going to get with the times. Because that's, yeah. really, that's really their only weakness, right? They've, they've, with with the different cameras they put out over the years, they've been able to tackle the low light thing with mm-hmm. the GH5S. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been able to, you know, they were the they've got the best Ibis in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, like they've got when it comes to when it comes to the freaking all the different formats and file types. Um, you know, like even the new the GH6 is shooting 5.9K internally at at 10 bit, you know, for doing 4K 120 and all those things. Like like they've handled everything else except this. And everybody's just sitting here confused like what are you doing? Like we've all been telling you for the last 6 7 8 years like yo, just fix the friggin' autofocus. Now man, depth from defocus is first of all the name is kooky. Depth from defocus. You know what I'm saying? I get it. But again, it's because it's they developed it and they just stuck and stubborn. But it's like everybody, every single reviewer goes, you know, I, I don't understand why they just don't go to phase detect. And and they've they've tried to say like, oh, well, we're we're working on it and it'll it, no, like one day. It's Can't like, bro, if everybody Can't else be. can figure it out. If everybody else can figure it out, you can't like y- y'all don't make your own sensors. You can't tell me you can't put phase detect in there because olympus done had it for a few years now yeah i was gonna say olympus before they officially went to the om digital solutions whatever company that bought them they um they went ahead and turned on the phase detection in the chips and all of a sudden now you have cameras with incredible stabilization cameras with incredible quality still on the micro four thirds uh sensor mount 
And then it looks pretty gosh darn good. I know it's a, I don't know if yeah, you follow the guy. I went and bought an Olympus. Did you now? The, yeah, that was one of my that was one of my uh, vlogmas videos. Oh, I do remember. I, we, I just didn't see another one after. I think he's like in the kitchen or something. Uh, when you shot that one was like or whatever it was like a late night video he's like i'm doing this one to basically so you can post it so i do remember seeing that one you just didn't post nothing else after the fact so yeah like i like i like i bought it just to just to because and once again because the camera was super cheap i think i got it for like I, it's an em1 mark ii i think i was able mm -hmm. to get it for like under 700 bucks so it was kind of like and it works like the mm -hmm. autofocus works. And, and so like Panasonic, you can't tell me that you can't get your autofocus life together because mm -hmm. Olympus proved you can. Like, mm. Mm -mm -mm. My, my, my. As the mother of the church would be sent right now. <laughs> I feel but you, man. That's I, really their only weakness. It's, it's the, yeah. really their only weakness. And like people can say what they want about depth of field. They can say what they want about low light ability. It's like most of those things don't matter to me because mm -hmm. I like most of my I like most of my work. And in the situations where it's really gonna be a problem, I'll get the client to pay me enough to go rent some stuff. Like so I you know? I mean, I do understand some aspects of it. I um like I said I I that full two full frame being like the greatest in Bees Knees Hall of Fame, it's not in my opinion, it's not that those cameras aren't great. I just feel like the only reason that companies went that way is to appease the photographers because that's mm -hmm. how we got into hybrid. It's like, put some video in there and everybody's like, no, we love video, add more. It's like, great, but I also still need this to be full frame. For the other work that I'm doing, it's like, awesome. Now we got these bigger cameras. I had just recently tried the uh, Sony a7 Mark IV. It's a freaking fantastic camera. It really, truly is. However, we've been posting in 422 10-bit and just like I had did the post um, on the community post on on the YouTube channel, I'm like, which one's the ZV-E10 and which one's the A7 IV? Hardly nobody guessed right on any platform, Twitter, YouTube, or Instagram. People can't Even the tell. most experienced folks couldn't tell that, well, uh, I need to see what lens that you're using. And uh, you should have, um, no, can you significantly see a difference or not? Even the recent videos and vertical videos. 422 10 bit 4k 60 can you tell the difference no you cannot so it's like it's it's especially once the compression gets on it like yeah it's like unless you post into netflix or something and i see like saying again i don't have any problems promoting your work um and you know because i'm like somebody like hey can you nope but i do have a recommendation for you <laughs> go to immedia.com <laughs> and so uh i have no recommend i have no qualms with with forwarding those recommendations for clients and people that are looking for uh, uh, a videographer or looking for um, someone to do professional editing work for them for a certain project or, you know, if it makes sense on an ongoing basis or whatever. And it doesn't matter. I've It's never been a thought of what camera that you used, what quality is the person's work with the stuff that they're, it don't matter. It yeah, don't matter. I mean, you know what I'm saying? The work that I've done, it's been... I've seen stuff that I've shot on movie screens. I've seen stuff that I shot be broadcast on cable. Um, so it it doesn't matter. Like almost any camera, any mirrorless camera that you can get a hold of these days can mm -hmm. make good enough images to go on television, to go on a movie screen, to go on the Internet. 
Like it really just depends on how good you are with that piece of equipment. Thanks. And usually the the differentiating factor is whether you're in a controlled environment or not. And do you know how to deal with the limitations of that camera when you're not in a controlled environment? Mm. Facts. Love it. Love it, brother. I didn't mean to keep you over. Went all the way over into technical <laughs> aspects and the whatnot, but it, it gar- it's guaranteed to happen when we get get on on the phone or in same. It's just sure. guaranteed to happen. Um, again, like I've talked about it uh, throughout some of the show, um, and I've had no no issues recommending your work. And if you haven't already d- jotted down the URL, it's I am medium like e y e a m media dot com. If you have any special projects or anything like that coming up, please let the people know where they can connect up with you um, and what you have going on, where they can get in touch with your brother. Uh, yeah, you can find me at immedia.com. You can find me at LinkedIn. Um, just search for Alex Miner. I should be one of the top ones that comes up if you're searching in the Americas. Um and right now, the, the main thing that we're doing is just trying to serve our clients well. And we're also like kind of turning into a half video marketing agency, half podcasting agency. So mm. we're looking to add three to four more podcast clients by the end of the year, um, you know, because we we love that recurring business mm-hmm. and podcasts is like, how long do you want to go for? Let's go forever. OK, pay the bill. <laughs> love it. And and podcasting, I believe in it. I just think it's a it's a good thing, a good content strategy for businesses, um, coaches, consultants, all of the above. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's 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 a never ending content machine if you want it to be. Mm. Love it. Now, are you still doing the thousand miles podcast or no? I shut that down because okay. I, because I figured out that like even though I love doing it, mm-hmm. it. The scope of that podcast, I couldn't figure out how to make it really serve like my business goals. And my gotcha. thing is, like, if I'm going to do this thing, it's got to be done in a way that is going to serve my business goals. And so I have a plans. I have plans for another podcast in the works um, where it's not just going to be me. It's also going to be a co-host and possibly two co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we're going to be doing some interview based stuff as well. And and so we're still like working out the particulars of that. Like it's it's mainly me. I'm the hold up just because <laughs> I I still need to figure out my life. <laughs> so I, I hey man, we can always update the show notes for whenever that podcast is ready. I just want to make sure that like wherever, whenever, however you're producing content, people can go and again consume more of your knowledge, wisdom, uh, and all the things that you have to offer. Uh, like I said, even if like I said, a business, they're doing business with you. I still think it's a great idea for if you're producing content, wherever uh, that is for people to can start consuming that because it's a lot to glean from uh, your wisdom and your knowledge. And I just want to, again, salute and hats off to you, brother. You do a fantastic work with your hands and your craftsmanship is incredible. So I appreciate you. you being here, man. Hey, anytime you call, you know, I'm up for it. Appreciate that, man. I had so much fun talking with Alex. Again, you go to immedia.com, E-Y-E-A-M media.com. If you want to look into potentially working with Alex when it comes to his brand, I've sent quite a few um, different individuals that come through the business and they are looking for someone um, to more seriously, like really produce content for them um, or to do shoots. And you're looking for like that 
dedicated videographer that can take that heavy lifting off of your plate for you. I would highly recommend working with Alex if it makes sense um, for your business and your brand. Uh, and so we'll put, make sure we put everything in the show notes, but that's where we're going to leave it for this week's episode. As you know, I love to end all of the podcast episodes, the winds of life blows on us all, but it is how you set your sail with that guys of your passion. I'll see you in the next episode of the video simplified podcast. Take care. Mm-hmm.